welcome, welcome, welcome to the second hiatus special edition of Who Says No. I am your frustrated host, Sam Quinn. Once again, reminding people that I really didn't expect to be recording podcasts at this point in my life. But the Lakers do not care about my personal well-being, or their own for that matter. We're more than halfway through this dystopic hellscape of a season, and the Lakers remain well below 500 at this point, three games. I would say that's well below 500. Their last hope of turning this thing around and preventing yet another hiatus episode of this podcast is at the trade deadline, which as of right now is nine days away. So joining me to discuss this waking nightmare of a season is one of the few people I know that hates this team as much as I do. Hoopsides Yossi Goslin. Yossi, let's just grit our teeth and get through this, man. Like, I don't even want to ask how you're doing. This, everything sucks. Well, do you think there will ever be a point where I still think there's hope? Like, not, and I'm not from coming for me, just from, you know, from, I guess, Laker fans in general. Like, I still think there's a lot of optimism. Do you think there could, like, what do you think there's a point where that optimism could die? Because, like, there's several points, there's several bad losses where I just, where I'm just like, honestly, I don't know how I could, I don't, I, I can't have any more hope anymore. Like, I don't have any hope for the team. But, like, I, especially after that Pacers loss, and all the everything going on on Twitter spaces that night, I I felt that was it. But no, there's definitely still some hope uh, on in the air. I think we're one Chris Haynes tweet away where he's like LeBron James has a sprained MCL. He'll be out four <laughs> to six weeks. I think that's the moment where we just say like, yeah, like game over, wrap it up. I will say that like last year, despite all evidence to the contrary, I was in it until like you know midway through the third quarter of Game Six versus Phoenix. Like, I kept the hope. Like, I was thinking LeBron's going to do this. Like, we're finally going to see the old LeBron. And then it just didn't happen. I think this year, I mean, I think it would have to be an injury to either LeBron or AD that, like, totally wiped out Lakers Twitter. Otherwise, they're going to go down with this shit. But, yeah, I I think it's got to be an injury. Anything, like, could Westbrook do anything? Like, if Westbrook shoots, like, two for 39 across three games, like, would that do it? Well, I think the other thing, though, is that, the injuries to LeBron and AD are also at a, are, are, are a source of hope just because, you know, if there was like a little stretch where they're doing looking pretty good, if figured a couple things out, then, you know, the optimism of having that player return, it's there. And AD now. AD's look good. Amazing. AD looks amazing right now. So now it's like, well, well let's wait till LeBron gets back. So I, I don't know. It just seems like they're. Like there's there's always I'm sure like you can you can are you can like make like I get it it's like it's definitely a source of hope but it's you know they just lost this game to the Hawks where now they're finally all in on offense and the Hawks are also like a they're they're a bottom defensive team they're winning all their games on on uh, on de- on offense because uh, they're bottom defense team recently their defense has been a lot more like average but it's like that that game was a shootout. Um, and you know, the Lakers couldn't hang in that. So I'm still, it's just hard for me. Like if you can't, you know, if you're going in all offense, you can't win those shootouts. And I don't know. I'm just not sure what, like what there's, what, what there's to look forward to. Do you want the optimism stat? Yes. When LeBron James, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook play without Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan, they're outscoring opponents by 8.3 points per under possession. 
That's not championship good, but that's way better than anything else we've seen this season. And the sample is small. I'm just going to say this for me and like the, the corner of Lakers Twitter that needs to hear it. When that trio plays with Austin Reeves and no DeAndre or Dwight Howard, they're plus 41. Not okay. plus 41 total, plus 41 net rating. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a small sample size, but I think, look, I, I got, yeah, there's definitely still more stuff they're figuring out. Uh, look, you and I were both very low on the Lakers offseason on the Westbrook trade. Like, we can go back and listen to a lot of the stuff, but neither of us thought that Lakers would be struggling this hard or that the Westbrook trade would have worked out this poorly. But I think at the same time, like, yeah, there's definitely, I think it's like, I wouldn't, I don't know if I want to go as far as saying it's a fact, but I think it's like a well, like, agreed upon opinion that the this Lakers team is better than what they've been, how they've been playing. Like, they're a better team than their record. And I still, I still have to believe it, even though it's been, you know, they're, there's, they've gotten to this point more than halfway through the season. Um, so, but then, you know, then the schedule, um, well, let's get into this. Like, uh, we've, we've gone over the one little shred of optimism. I'm going to just pour out the mountain of pessimism here. Uh, the offense is ranked 23rd. The defense is ranked 18th. The net rating is 21st. They are currently ninth in the Western Conference standings. They're five games behind number six. I think with 31 games left, that pretty much makes the play-in inevitable. They are five games above number 11, so it doesn't seem like falling out is really a possibility. The tiebreaker situation is still to be determined, but they're one and two against Minnesota. So in all likelihood, they're going to be below Minnesota in the tiebreaker. And they're 0-1 against the Clippers, so there's a good chance they're going to have the they're going to lose the tiebreaker to the Clippers as well. They have the hardest schedule left in the NBA, 54.7 winning percentage for opponents. They have three more road games than home games. They have three more rest disadvantages than advantages, which is also the worst in the NBA. This is probably going to get worse before it gets better, just by virtue of the teams on the schedule. So I'll just ask you straight up: Where do you think they're going to finish in the standings? Um, either probably seventh or eighth. Really? I have the ninth. Yeah, but I think the difference also is going to be, it's probably still going to be very close. Because, I mean, if you look one through six, I think all those teams of, I think that's, it's like, unless a major injury happens, all those teams should avoid the play-in. Like, Denver and Dallas have finally gotten their stuff together. And they've separated themselves like well away from the play-in, uh, and I just I think they'll continue to roll. So my figure, my guess is that like seven through twelve even will be. I think it'll be very close. I could see. Um, I, I I think the Blazers good chance that they're gonna start to tail off soon, even though they've been doing really well. But I could see two of the Kings, Pelicans, or Spurs just being, like, rate, like getting really close for the 9 and 10. And, I mean, we'll see what happens with the Clippers. I mean, I think there's a good chance they're going to drop out. So, yeah, I mean, I think Lakers and Minnesota should be at the top of the play, and, like, just based on everything. 
See, we'll see what the Pelicans do because, like, I think they they have the assets to do like they could bring in a couple guys if they really want to. So, and then maybe Zion comes back. Like, we'll see. But despite everything, like, and how bad the you know how bad their schedule is about to be, uh, you know, they'll get healthier. The the on court issues can only get better, and they have they have a couple moves to make just like to fix up the end of their roster. So I just how I'm not sure how they do worse than seven or eight. How do you see them being nine? I think Minnesota seven feels pretty safe to me just by yeah. virtue of how easy their schedule is. And they Portland probably they might have a move one. to make too. We'll see. Yes. Um. I don't think it'll be a blockbuster. I mean, clearly it seems like they're not going to get Ben Simmons. I don't see a path for him to get Miles Turner, who couldn't even really help them this year. But, like, there's a small move to be made there, sure. They have the expiring contract of um, Torian Prince if they want to use it. Like, they, they can they can make an upgrade if they want to. Mm-hmm. Portland is a very easy schedule, too. And we don't know how long Damian Lillard is going to be out. But in a short burst with an easy schedule, like, if they're two games behind the Lakers with 10 to go, but Lillard comes back, like... That would scare me. I just don't buy what's going on in Portland right now, the recent surge. I mean, it's very, it's A, very Anthony Simons reliant, and I don't know that that's going to be sustainable. The defense has been better than it should, and I think with Nasir Little out, yeah. they've lost a lot of depth forward. Right, and I'm just, I, I, the Blazers more than likely will do a little bit of selling. Like, I get that maybe, I get the idea that maybe they want to be buyers. I just, I don't think they have, like the assets to be buyers right now and with their luxury tax crunch i think i feel yeah, like they're three million over the line so they're going to want to get under i would assume covington is there well i mean also for next year's luxury tax crunch they're basically like 30 mil below but with only like seven players but nurkic covington and anthony simons are all free agents like you're not going to finish you're not going to bring back all those guys get the 14 players and stay under the tax hook that's not happening which Makes me convinced that at least Robert Covington's going to get traded for picks and expiring contracts. And then, you know, maybe, I don't know if it's this trade deadline, but, like, their only way really, like, to also avoid the luxury tax aside from getting out of uh, Cov- not resigning Covington, like, if they, they want to bring back Nurkic and Anthony Simons, they're not going to be able to keep C.J. McCollum. So they're, they're probably going to have to break his contract up into several pieces. So now I just see them. do. I'm just saying, I think there's a good chance they're going to do a little more selling and that will have them bottom out a little more towards uh, out of the play-in. That's fair. I will say though, if they do trade McCollum, it's not going to be for picks. It's going to be for like three Pelicans, all of whom might help them. And I'm not convinced McCollum helps them that much given their current roster construction, right? Like if you need to go 15 games with Simons and Powell doing the bulk of the scoring, I think you can get away with that given their schedule, but we're not here to talk about the places. Yeah. We're talking about the Lakers. Right. Um, So let's just start with the question that everybody's asking. Who the hell wants Salem Horton Tucker? I'm going to start with just, I made a quick list Mm -hmm. of teams that I think would make any sense whatsoever Horton Tucker. They would need to have a good track record with player development. They need to have shooting. They need to have open minutes. There were not many teams that checked all those boxes, and I did not even account for what they could send back. It's just a list of teams that I think would make some sense. Charlotte, Toronto, Detroit, Denver, San Antonio, New Orleans, Oklahoma City, the Clippers. That's okay. it. And not many of those teams have things the Lakers want. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so I I'll just touch on Detroit because I still stand by that the a potential Russ plus twenty twenty seven pick package for Jeremy Grant is pretty good value. For, you mean Horton Tucker, not Russ? Hey, I'm sorry, THT in the twenty seven first for uh, for Jeremy Grant. I still think that's pretty good value for Grant. Not so much for Taylor Horton Tucker, but I. I'm a big fan of – I'm very high on super uh, out picks that are very far out. And, I, you know, who knows what any, where any team's going to be like two years from now, let alone five. Uh, so if you can just get that pick for, you know, like I like Jeremy Graham, but I do I definitely think he's a little bit overrated. I would definitely – Oh, he's gotten way he's, – he's got Robert yeah. Covington syndrome. Where like right. two years ago everyone was like, oh, Robert Covington, defensive player of the year. Oh my God, we have to have him. We have to give up several first round picks for him. He's I think, got a little bit of that right no, now. No, like he he's. I think Jeremy Grant's like a one first round pick, like a decent first round pick, and like a decent young player type. Yeah. Of, like like, like what the Gordon. yeah Aaron exactly like that's million. I think that's his like true value. So, uh, you know that's so that Lakers package is meets it, but that that twenty twenty seven pick is I think super valuable. Uh, like I don't think you want to trade. You don't trade a pick that far out for Jeremy Grant. Like the Bucks traded two of those picks for Drew Holiday, and you know he was like he's only like a one or two time All Star so far. So and but you know that he is a difference maker and he raised their ceiling. They won the championship. So I don't you know there's all these reports that the Lakers just been offering that package just to see what they can get. Like, I don't completely buy that they've just been offering it because I think, I feel like, I, I just don't think they've been offering that. Like, if they're going to offer that pick, like, I, get, I get that there might be some desperation, but I just don't think you want to do that for a guy like Jeremy Grant. I think you got to swing higher when you're offering a pick that far out. Well, I want to talk about just the concept of that pick a little bit because we've seen this, like, I'll throw out another pick, the 2021 Heat pick which just finally got made, you know, six months ago, whenever it was, mm-hmm. it got traded originally 2015. That right. heat pick didn't turn out to be very good. It was like, what, 20, something like that. Like yeah. somewhere in that range, there were moments in that six year span where it looked like that pick could be like 30. And there were moments in that span where that pick looked like it was going to be high lottery. That's the real benefit of trading for a 2027 first round pick. It might not end up being super high. But at some point, it's going to look like it is, and that's when you trade that pick for something yeah. good, right? A hundred percent. No, it's it, like it. Basically, the one of the other values about getting that pick is that you have so much time on it that there's just it has a lot of trade values, and that Heat pick is just a great example of of that concept where you know teams weren't were trading for that pick not because. Uh, they think they, they can get someone good with it when it, to, when it's time to convey it, but they trade it for it because, like, hey, I could trade this later. It's like just the idea of this pick. And they got now, traded several times, at least yeah. twice. Yeah, it was just, yeah. So um, now a lot of these picks, they haven't been moved. A lot of the ones have been handed out recently, like since 2019, and OKC got all the Clippers picks, and the Pelicans got a bunch of Lakers and Bucks picks. Um, the Rockets got the Nets picks. Most of these picks, I think all of them, well, not like like a, most of them were unprotected, like all these picks that were being sent out in these crazy deals. 
And I think so. A lot of them haven't been moved because of the unprotectedness. Uh, if you look at the Celtics Nets trade uh, from uh, 2013, all those picks the Nets gave the Celtics were also completely unprotected, and the Celtics decided to keep them all because you know they rightly bet against the Nets' future, and they got two lottery picks. So uh, I just I think because they're unprotected, there's you know there's no incentive for the team to tank. So I think the teams keeping these picks feel a lot more confident and keeping these picks and actually can potentially conveying them or that they're not going to lose value over time just because they're unprotected. And there's just that possibility remains that those could be super valuable picks. So the last thing I want to say, yeah, so, so the whole point is like, I think the Lakers, like, I don't think they've been offering the pick. Like, I don't, I don't think they've offered it for Jeremy Grant. Like I'm, I really feel like if that was offered that like, the Pistons would have taken that because that's just such a strong pick. Like any laid out late pick like that is super valuable, and like doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't. I I think you you just want to. I think any team takes those types of picks when they're available. The last thing I'll say on it is that the idea of shadow GM Kurt Rambis should make that pick look really appealing because like, <laughs> look, what has Kurt Rambis done to earn the sort of control he seemingly has over the Lakers organization? He was a bad head coach with the Lakers. He was a bad head coach with the Timberwolves. He was absolutely reviled by the New York Knicks. Like, I'm not even going to go into that, but look up the stories. Everyone in that franchise hated him. I, I don't know what he has done to earn the sort of power that he has. And I think the single most valuable asset in the NBA, like as a general topic, is picks from bad GMs. How valuable were the picks that Vlade gave out? Like, those turned out to be really – like, one of the picks Vlade gave out was Jason Tatum. So uh, I would just – I was just uh, The pick swap that got the – Right, but it was a pick that yeah. was originally from from the Kings. So, yeah, kind of right, actually, yeah. Yes. So my whole point here is, like, I think teams should be looking at the Lakers and thinking – I don't know how good they're going to be in 2027. I might want to take that swing. And even if they're if they do get another star by 2027, there's going to be a period in there where it looks ugly. That's all I'm going to right. say on that. But let's talk about like what's actually out there for the Horton Tucker Nunn 2027 package. It doesn't seem like Grant is going to happen. Like maybe yeah. there are protections in the way they're talking about it. Grant feels unlikely at this stage. Harrison Barnes feels unlikely at this stage. Miles Turner feels unlikely at this stage. Mm -hmm. The call I want to make, and we don't have to go too deep into this, but I would call the Thunder about Lou Dort because that's the sort of trade that the Thunder would make because they understand the value of 2027 first-round picks and because their GM is pretty like comfortable in saying he's going to be employed in 2027. Mm -hmm. So just as far as adding like a true perimeter stopper, that would probably be their best bet. But I, I don't think that's really going to happen. The other advantage is Lou Dort makes so little that you can save your matching salary for something else. Yeah. After that, like there's nobody worth the 2027 pick, right? Like mm -hmm. maybe you talk about trading Horton Tucker and none. I don't think Eric Gordon is gettable without the first Gary Harris, Terrence Ross, Covington with a second. Like, I, I think all those guys can be. I think all those guys you just mentioned are gettable with seconds. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think any of those guys are going for the the first. But like, if you're not going to use the first, do any of those guys for Horton Tucker not appeal to you? No. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't. None of them are, are worth the first. 
So no, but if you're not going to go up the first, if it's just Horton Tucker and none. Oh, like, oh yeah. If you can get any of those guys, if you can get Robert Covington for Horton Tucker, I guess I'd do that. And you don't, and you could keep none in that case too. You'd be taking on more tax, more of a tax burden. But yeah, uh, you could get if you do. I think it's Horton Tucker and one minimum gets you to Covington. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think that's what it would be. But I'm sure they're gonna get off some more minimum guys, and that could offset the additional costs. Yes. Um, well, that actually brings us to somebody else I wanted to talk about, is Buddy Heald, because we've heard these rumors over the last you know week or so where the Lakers offered Horton Tucker and none, you know, the standard package for Heald, and the Kings said no. I just want to ask the Kings, like, what else is out there for you, man? Like, what what else are you gonna get, Monty McNair? Like, who else really wants Buddy Heald? And like, by the way. The Kings told Buddy Heald, like, hey, you're, you're too valuable to trade Horton Tucker. And Buddy Heald looked at them and basically said, like, want to bet? Because he's shot, like, 10 of 47 over his last five games. So, like, Buddy Heald is doing everything in his power to make himself unvaluable enough to get traded to the Lakers. I'm just going to throw this out there, like, something that I've thought a fair bit about over the last few days. If the Raptors like Taylor Horton Tucker, and they did last year, do you call Toronto and say, like, we'll give you Horton Tucker none? We just want Dragic's expiring salary. Hey, Kings, you can get off the last two years of Buddy Heald's contract, scot-free. I dare you to find a better deal for Heald. Do you think they can find one? Wait, so what's – what's it's a three-way with the Raptors or Buddy yes. Heald? Buddy Heald to the Lakers, Goran Dragic to the Kings, Horton Tucker, and none to the Raptors. Literally just an expiring uh, contract. I think, they could, I think they could get a little – you know, that's actually interesting, though, because I – when I was writing my Raptors trade guide, I – I thought about a Goran Dragic in the seconds for Eric Gordon type package, but that could basically be applied to Buddy Heald, which yeah. is basically exactly what's going on in your trade. Exactly. Uh, and if you have to send out seconds to do this, this is doable. My whole thing is just like, hey, Kings, do better. I dare you. Where's there a better trade for him? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily think there's anything that much better, maybe a little bit better, but in the end, like all these deals, whatever they take probably will all keep them in the same spot. But I guess the only other thing is if they could just have that salary for a bigger trade, like if they ever end up doing something with Philly where they bring back Tobias and Ben Simmons, then uh, then they might need a heal for that. I mean, that's something that it seems like would have to happen in the offseason because Philly isn't doing the Simmons deal now. They're waiting on Hardy. Yeah. I don't I don't think Sabonis is available to them. Like, I don't know what the big trade is for the Kings. We keep assuming that it's going to happen. Maybe Harrison Barnes, but, like, other than that, like, I don't know. I, if I were them, I'm just thinking if I can get off of Buddy Heald, I'm, I'm just going to do it. But if you're the, do the Lakers need Buddy Heald? Like, no, I think, that's the more interesting question. I don't think he's helping them. I mean, I think he could be helpful if you're just going to go all offense, but, like, Malik Monk has been a lot better than Buddy Heald this season. I know. Like, that's exactly the point I'm getting to now. And the other, no, I mean, we could talk about Malik Monk now where it's going to be bringing him back could be very difficult. So I could see the Lakers just getting ready for for that in case Malik Monk does leave and getting Buddy Heald kind of makes sense. Um well, why don't we why don't we go there? Like, I'll just give you the floor. Explain why the Lakers are going to have a really hard time bringing back Malik Monk. So, I mean, in theory, they you know if he's going to get offers that exceed the tax pyramid level, which is the most the Lakers could pay him with a starting salary six point three million, 
if he's going to get offers higher than that, then you would think that he's going to take it and leave the Lakers. Now, I've been thinking, what if, like, I, I, I'm, you know, I watch a good amount of the Lakers play, and Malik seems very happy in L.A. He's thriving there. He's, uh, he's got a very elevated role. Is it crazy to think that maybe he comes back for a one-year minimum or one-year non-bird? And then, I think it would have to be the tax mid-level if he were going to come back. But I don't. I do think he could come back because if he does, he gets early birds. Yeah. Uh, like, I'll, like I'll say this. I think I don't think there's been a proper calibration when people like when people discuss what players can make this offseason. I don't think people really understand how little money there is out there. Three cap and space. Based, and like, unless you're getting cap space, you're going to get paid. Uh, more than the mid-level through a sign-and-trade. And, you know, like, I think, so I'm sure that will be very prominent. But, like, like as an example, when people, when it's put out there, Jalen Brunson looking for $18 million, I'm just like, how? I don't see it. I don't know who's paying him that much. Dallas isn't going to pay him that much. It's the Pistons. And, They're the only team. But I don't even Pistons, see Pistons, Magic, and Spurs much. are the cap space teams. That's it. But I, just don't, but I don't even see any of them giving him that much. Like I think I can see I, Detroit, I feel, but certainly not the Magic. Or the I feel like he's gonna like I just look at what Devontae Graham got last year, and like I think he's much better than Devontae Graham. But I like just looking like just as a financial comparison, I feel like he'll get something like that. So going back to Malik Monk, is he worth at least a tax pyramid level? Yeah, I think so. But if the offers aren't like you know, let's say let's say the offers are less than like ten million dollars a year. I don't think, you know, I think at that point you he should probably take you. He probably does take those that kind of offer. But let's say the offers are closer to the tax pyramid level, which you know I wouldn't be shocked if that's what's just based on how the market could play out. I wouldn't be shocked if that's what he might get offered. Then maybe I don't think it's that crazy if he goes back for a one year non bird amount. What is that like? Three million or something like that, and then just try it again, and then get come back to the Lakers with the early bird rights. Like they're gonna, they're gonna need to, whether it's this year or next year, they're gonna need to lock down some of these role players, and uh, you know those early bird rights. They're gonna, they're you know who I don't think they're gonna have, they're gonna have just as little flexibility in 2023. Like they're just as likely to sign him then. I would say the one I, I think if they were going to bring him back, I think he could justifiably say, give me the taxpayer. Yeah. Money. And I think they would do it because he's earned it. I don't think it would be right. the bird amount. But I'm just thinking like did, maybe yeah. he helps them out. You know, they, yeah. they could get some. I mean, Nick Batum did it. It's not crazy. Yeah, no, it's not crazy at all. But the difference is that Nick Batum was also getting paid a, a lot of money from Charlotte at the, this so, year, last year, and Nick, uh, another year left. <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I'm just looking like he just. I like, you know, I'm sure he'll thrive elsewhere, but this is such a good situation for him, um, such a good role for him. I just, I think, I, I just wouldn't overlook that. Like, most likely he'll take a big R offer elsewhere. Like, I, I but, but I just wouldn't rule. I don't think it's too crazy to think maybe he does like a one year like favor for them. Yeah, I think if he was gonna leave, I don't think the cap space team make much sense. Maybe the Pistons, but even them, I, I really doubt. I think if he was gonna leave, it would have to be a full mid level from somebody else. And look, right. if he can get four years, forty some odd million, like go for it, Malik. You've earned it. Like nothing you can say at that point. But 
I think if he's looking at offers in that tax mid-level range, I think he would yeah. probably say, my best bet, re-sign with the Lakers, try this again in a year, and have a player option. So if I do get hurt, I can have full bird rights in two years. Like, I think that yep. makes some sense. That said, yeah. like, that's a risk for the Lakers, right? And I don't know who would want Malik Monk in a trade just because any team acquiring him would have these same complications. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, does he have some value? Like, I've thought about him in a Buddy Heel trade. He and De'Aaron Fox were very good friends in college. Like, I wonder if that yeah. would have any value in Sacramento, even though the Kings are very guard-heavy, so I don't know if they would really want him. But now, that name I want to bring up. The, the thing, though, right now, because of Malik Monk's contract is non-bird rights, he doesn't really have trade value. Like, you could trade him. It would have to be a team that wants him this year. Right, but what are you getting? Like, you're getting you're probably getting, like, one second, and that's kind of it. Because yeah. whoever whoever, who, you just, you're, whoever trades for Monk is mainly renting him because they're going to have the same restrictions. And then maybe they decide they want – if it works out, they, they'll use an exception to bring him back. But – um. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you can't – like, if, if if the Lakers decide they're not going to pay him, they're just – you're not you're still not going to get, like, real value. Yeah, so the other guy that I think actually does have a fair bit of value we got to talk about is Austin Reeves. Mm-hmm. I am amazed, frankly, to this point that Austin Reeves has not shown up in any trade rumors, and I am amazed at the discipline that that shows from the Lakers. Because, like, I remember a few years ago, LeBron's first year with the Lakers, like – Mikhail Luke was not as good as Austin Reeves is now, but like, oh, second round pick, you know, like he's showing some flash gone, traded to the Pistons right away at the deadline, Reggie Bullock, and we never heard from him again. I don't think that they would you know, be so hasty with Austin Reeves, but I'm kind of amazed that we haven't heard his name at all in trade packages because right. he's really valuable. And I think like yeah. teams, if you're trading, you know, whatever big deadline name, you'd probably say, like, I'd rather have Austin Reeves at the minimum for two years than Taylor Horton Tucker. Yep. And um, now it's, I would say it's also very tough to gauge what his trade value is exactly. But I I was I did write about you know, a couple of months ago how I could see the Lakers getting in a position where if they if they like are really adamant to make a a trade for an upgrade like a Jeremy Grant type for example I could see a team trading that that player like Detroit just trying to squeeze the Lakers for everything they've got which isn't that much stuff like there's the picks Talon and then you know Austin like that's just someone else that they could try to squeeze so that that's the only thing I'd be afraid of it's not so much what can you get for him or do you think you get someone more for him it just or is a team going to just try to squeeze the Lakers for him? I personally would be very scared to give him up. Yeah. I would also, if a team that would, because first of all, he's, he's essential to this year's team, right? Like, yeah. I mean, this is, I, I think we tend to overuse on off net ratings. This is pretty simple. When Austin Reeves is on the floor, they're plus 7.4. No one else on the team is better than plus three. Like that's a ludicrous difference. And when he's off there, minus five, like, a 12-point difference in net on-off is, like, that's that's all-star numbers, right? Like, especially right. on a team where it's so stark, like the Lakers. Like, that's – he's really important to this year's team. I wouldn't give it, like – and then beyond that, they're going to be cap-strapped next year as well. Having him for a million bucks is really, really valuable. And if I were another team, you know, we hear this all the time, right, where, oh, you Lakers fans are just overhyping their, their young players. You know, they don't actually have anything to trade. Let's just go down the list, right? Like Julius Randle leaves the Lakers, becomes an all-NBA player. 
D'Angelo Russell leaves the Lakers, becomes an all-star. Brandon Ingram leaves the Lakers, becomes an all-star. Lonzo Ball leaves the Lakers, becomes, you know, a four-year, $80 million a year player on a contender, right? Like, just Alex Caruso leaves the Lakers. Everybody finally acknowledges how good he is. You should want to trade for young Lakers, right? Not only because they have a good scouting department and can identify talent, because they're so bad at developing it that if you have a good infrastructure, you can take this young guy and, like, really turn him into something. Yeah. No, you make a good point that, like, you can – in a way, buy low on these younger players, kind of like, I guess you can say the Pelicans kind of did that with Ingram, for example. And uh, yeah, and then they just develop them, make them way, you know, help them reach their potential. But um, no, you're, yeah, he's been really important to them. I think, you know, I, I think they're going to do whatever it takes to keep him on the team. I just think at a certain point, like how many players are like, how many players could they get that are really substantial upgrades? Like not only with everything you're getting, but like also replacing what Reeves gets them, right? Like Eric Gordon is a better player than Austin Reeves. I'm not going to deny that, but like if you're giving up Austin Reeves and all of that salary filler and a first round pick, like, no, that's not a good trade. Like, I'm sorry. That's just not. So I I agree with you. I don't think he's going to get traded. And like, at this point, I think next year is important enough with this year looking so bad that you might have to say, like, we don't want to give away the guy in his early 20s who is super cheap and will maybe be starting for us next year. If Frank Vogel isn't the coach and Avery Bradley isn't, like, you know, locked into a starting spot for all of eternity. So I, I agree. I don't think they're going to trade him, and I'm glad that they're not. Mm-hmm. we got to go on to the elephant in the room, though. And, I mean, this is something we text about frequently. I suspect there's nothing here, but, like, we got to talk about Russell Westbrook. So I'm just going to ask you point blank. Would you give up the 2027 first to dump Russell Westbrook? Hell no. And like, I think it's pretty look, are, 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 might the Lakers be a desperate team at the trade deadline? Sure. It could, they could be, they might do something like to trade that pick and get someone to help save the season. Would they trade it just to, Get off Russell Westbrook? No, that and and I think like like no no one the Lakers are not going to do that. Like there's that just no team would do that deal. Uh, trade a pick for that kind of swap like that, that just a non-starter. You would have to be very confident that John Wall is like 2015 John Wall. I don't th- I don't think like even if John Wall was guaranteed to be. 2017 John Wall when he was all defense and I, I still wouldn't I don't think I'd still do that I think if I knew John Wall was going to be that I'd probably do it but I don't know that he's going to be that and like realistically there's no amount of like you know hush hush Miami workouts that John Wall can do that would make me feel good and by right. the way like you just know at some point we're going to hear the leak that like oh Lakers press saw him in Miami in the gym and they're impressed like no like I'm sorry, nothing that happens in a gym is going to convince me. It would have to be like, I'd have to see him play games, and that's not yeah. going to happen. Uh, so I, my, I mean, my whole take, my whole thing is my my very high valuations on super far out picks. Yes. Like, like, I don't even agree. Like, even though the Bucks won the championship with Holiday, I still don't like that they gave up two unprotected firsts for a guy like him. I, like, I wouldn't, like, I, I just don't, I, I don't think you want to trade those picks. I guess you're getting, like, a top 15 player, in my opinion. That's the, fly I'm, forever, man. We're just never going to agree on that. Yeah, but I, I think that's the only reason you trade those picks. Would you do it for three second round picks? Russell Westbrook, three second round picks for John Wall. No, I don't think they'll need to give up all that to get it done. So you I, think they can get it done with like one or two? I I think 
it's like actually kind of possible that the Rockets would agree to do it without any picks. Just because I actually do, I agree with this, by the way. But go ahead. Just because if what like it sounds like John Wall will not agree to a buyout, or they're very far apart. But if Westbrook is willing to agree on something that the Rockets like, that alone could incentivize them to to just get it done. And now, but at the same time, I do think the Rockets have just because of where the Lakers are. I I still think. And just like you know, like how like the the Rockets are okay sitting wall clearly like they're they're just they're do, they're just doing their thing without him like they could they don't have to do any trade so like I think they do have just enough leverage to extract either a sec one second round pick or a pick swap but I could all uh, I do also just see the savings from a potential Westbrook buyout just being a very big motivating factor. Yeah, saving twelve million bucks in the middle of a pandemic, like that's not nothing. Right? <laughs> like, I don't think the Rockets would do it. I get the logic. I, I don't think they would, but like that's that's not nothing. I think if you pair those savings with like a couple second round picks, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. That said, I, I think the Rockets maybe justifiably could say like we're gonna play chicken with you because a couple second round picks and ten million bucks in cash, not super valuable to us. Right. We are gonna we are gonna play our hand here, and we're gonna say there's a 10% chance of giving us this pick. We'd rather play that out to the end, and rather than fold. And like, look, I get their logic; that's what they're gonna do. But I do think you know a second round pick or two plus those savings are you know not nothing. We right. gotta move beyond John Wall though, because yes. that deal has been done to death. Are there any other trades out there? Like, I mean, people have talked about the Knicks, Evan Fournier, Alec Burks, Kemba Walker. You're just getting off of all of your free agency mistakes. Uh-huh. I'm not even sure the, the Knicks do or the Lakers do that, to be honest. Like, I mean, do you really need three more guards? It's already such a guard-heavy team. Um, yeah. Boston, maybe with Al Horford and Josh Richardson? I don't think so. The mm-hmm. funniest, the Wizards, we can't do this now, right? This would have to be the offseason. Right. Well, I don't think the Wizards would do it if they could, and I yeah. also don't think the Celtics would do that. Like, I, that's something I when I wrote about Westbrook, I was like, you know, Westbrook theoretically could be a decent fit in Boston because they could put enough shooting around him, but not at that contract. I'll just say, like, I I I don't have a good answer for this. I mean, I'm just throwing this out there. If they made the John Wall trade and Russell Westbrook got bought out, like, what is a good fit for him? I haven't even I haven't even got in there yet. But. I kind of think Boston would be like that's the team that comes to mind, right? Like just as far as like get an infusion of talent, get some energy, take some pressure off of the incumbent guys. If it's just a buyout and you're getting them for super cheap, I think that might make some sense. Well, I also think you know I guess rule will be the biggest thing. Like if you can, if, if I don't think there's that many teams that would start Westbrook if they could just get him for a minimum. Uh, for the rest of the season, so I'm and I'm sure the very few teams that will let him start, I think that's they've got the advantage. So yeah, Boston, I I think you probably do start him there. There's not you know uh, you could definitely there's just not much else there going on at the point guard other than Smart, but you could slide him up to the two. You've got um, I guess the Knicks would start him. Uh, maybe they move off Kemba by then. Uh, maybe New Orleans would start him. I, I mean that I don't. I, I they are they do seem like they're gonna buy and like if they can get him on a buy, maybe they could even afford to give him a little more money. I guess he yeah he would probably start there too. Um, 
I guess I, that was just a couple teams that come to mind. There's not really a good fit out there. I don't have a good answer. I think the most likely outcome for Westbrook is that we're going to get to the offseason. He's going to be an expiring contract, and the Lakers are going to have suddenly much more draft capital to deal with. They can suddenly offer 2027 and 2029 with Westbrook as an expiring and say, like, maybe we can get something decent, right? Like, maybe yes. CJ McCollum, maybe Julius Randle. We've talked in texts about all the Raptors guys because Masai Ujiri is the sort of GM who would really value those deep future Lakers picks. I think they're all just playing too well, right? Like, Pascal Siakam has outplayed this conversation. Fred Van Vliet has outplayed this conversation. Right. So you brought up a really good point to me uh, privately how the Lakers have a lot of have a good incentive to wait uh, not trade that 2027 first at the trade deadline and wait until the offseason when I'm sure more players will you know the the market will be a little different some other players will become available and you can trade two first round picks 27 and 29 first so like if you're gonna if the Lakers are set on trading some far out picks anyways yeah, might as well wait till the offseason when you could package two of them, get someone even better than whatever's available right now. I don't know who it's going to be, but like I promise you, there is going to be a GM who says, I would like to make a net Celtic style trade with the Lakers, right? Like, right. I just, I don't know who it's going to be, but I would say that I think there's a good chance that trade is out there. We'll, we'll touch on the buyout market really quickly. There's not much here, right? Like, Gary Harris playing too well to get bought out, Kevin Love playing too well to get bought out. Like, would Robin Lopez or Tristan Thompson be an upgrade on Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan? Like Paul Millsap, maybe? The one thing that's kind of interesting to me is, like, what if Serge Ibaka gets traded for tax savings? Like, could he be a Lakers upgrade? He's already in L.A. Like, is there anything here doing anything for you? I think this buyout market's going to be pretty weak. Now, so let's see, you got, like, you mentioned Ibaka. I think that's a pretty strong possibility, but I feel like if, I feel like there's that Brooklyn connection there. Like, I think that's where he's gonna go. I feel like, it, and and then you know they could they, they're still sh- they want to shuffle around their minimum big guys. Maybe they get rid of Millsap, Griffin, uh, James Johnson, all those guys. If they get traded to a bad team like OKC or Orlando, they could they probably get waived on the spot. So, you know, the Lakers could look at those guys. Um, um, I think Dragic, I think there's actually a pretty solid chance he gets bought out, whether it's with the Raptors or a different team. Probably not the Raptors. He'll get Uh, traded and bought out, yeah. Like, if he, yeah, like if he gets traded to Houston for, like, Eric Gordon, for example, you know, Houston's going to, they're for sure going to buy him out. And if that happens, uh, you know, everyone's going to look at Dallas but he actually could then be eligible to return to Miami, which uh, is just something that I would. Why, why? Oh, because he would have already been traded, so there's no reacquisition issue. Yeah, traded twice, and then yeah. So yeah, so that that just. I mean, look, I, I don't know. Look, I'll, but I'll say this: I wouldn't expect too much from Goron. Like, if Nick, like Nick Nurse, is a guy who basically only wants to play players that are net positives and like strictly and you know if if he if he's not playing Goran Dragic at all I think that might say enough yeah and I I just think if you I think Miami makes the most if it's not Dallas just because like there's so little pressure there right like they already have their buyout edition it's Victor Oladipo so it could really just be like Goran do you want to live here like do you really need to like 
if you're not thinking like I want to play a big role and get one last contract, which I think that chip has sailed, if he's really more just like, you know what, I kind of want to be on a winner, like maybe play a little if I can. I think my yeah, because I I don't think he's gonna. I really don't think Goran will play at all. Actually, when you look at their guard rotation, like we were, I was thinking about what of the heat minimum guys if any can actually be in the playoff rotation the answer is probably none maybe Vincent, maybe gabe vitson yeah and i and so like even in a playoff setting i think there's a good chance that you got you know you got hero we'll see how oladipo looks and then if they got to play vincent i think all those guys get minutes over Dragic. just i just that's fair how it'll play but i think that there's a really good chance that he go to the finals and uh, you know, I think it would be a very sentimental thing for Goran not only to get his first title, but to get it with the Heat. So I think at that point, we now, we've, we've look, we've covered everything that could happen. And I think the consensus that we're reaching is that there probably isn't like a season saving trade here. So, or buyout. Or buyout. There I, I do have an idea, though. Like, I mean, and but I don't think he would go to the Lakers. But like, what if, so the Celtics, I think they're trying to get off Al Horford because uh, they want to clear out a bunch of money for next season. They could fill out the roster, avoid the tax. Uh, getting off his money next year would help a lot with that. Like, If he gets traded this trade deadline and he gets put on a bad team, is his contract partially guaranteed next season? Like, I wouldn't be shocked if, 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 that, if that happens, that buyout talks just get started early. Uh, and, okay, here's my question. If Al Horford becomes available, why doesn't he just go to Brooklyn and start? Right, I, I was thinking he would go to the Warriors because, that, oh, that would the, be so disgusting. Because the Warriors need, like, that would be, Horford on the bio market would be, like, I, I think that would be, like. The best of, buyout player. Of, in, yeah, I don't want to, like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say the best buyout ever because, like, we all thought that last year about Drummond, but it's like if a player, so it's like short story, like what we learned is that if a player gets bought out, like just don't, don't expect, don't expect the world. But I think Horford on the Warriors, like the war, I think the Warriors need to do something. And if they can get Horford, oh man. Or like on like another team that's ahead of the Lakers in this hierarchy. It's like, yeah, why wouldn't he just go back to Atlanta? So that's the thing. Like, so now we're both at an agreement that the the best players, I don't really see them going to the Lakers. Right. Yeah. Well, that that brings us to the inevitable conclusion. We're like, look, what we probably think is going to be the ending of the season is they'll get through the play-in round. We'll get what what will probably happen is it'll be like last year, where they'll like be behind in the first half and we'll get a valiant LeBron effort and they'll make it and then they'll get smacked by the Suns of the Warriors. And we'll have another offseason of, you know, utter panic. What happens next, right? Like, we assume Frank Vogel's going to get fired, right? Do you disagree at all? Um, I think it could be like a mutual parting of ways. Okay, not on the team. Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's where this is headed, to be honest, yeah. I mean, who's like, 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 just to be fair, I don't think, like, if I'm Frank, I feel like this is just such a stressful time in my life. Like, I think it just might be best to, just for his well-being, maybe he moves on. Yeah, I, I think Frank Vogel is going to be very happy as, like, I don't know, the coach of, yeah you know, insert rebuilding 2023 team. I don't know who it's going to be. I wish him the best. He won a championship. I think he's a very good coach under the right circumstances. I don't Great. think he will be the coach next season. 
I am, but I'm I don't know who will be because there's no good candidates out there, right? Like, they're not going to hire Mike D'Antoni. Like, I think that ship has sailed. Alvin Gentry because of the Anthony Davis connection. Juwan Howard because of LeBron and Rob Polinka. You know, if, if people don't know, Juwan Howard and Rob Polinka were college teammates. Interesting. Miami. Um, there's no chance Kurt Rambis gets the job, right? Uh, I mean, if, if, if 5% a chance, I think that might be the chance. Dear God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just don't know what they're looking for in a coach because you would think – because, like, Vo- like, Vogel and Mike Brown, for example, those were picks that, like, I did kind of came out of nowhere. You would have thought that they were going to pick someone in-house or someone just kind of associated with the Lakers. Like, we, you know, like Rambis back then or Brian Shaw. Uh, yeah, Brian Shaw was friends with Kobe. He's totally qualified to coach the team. Like, like even Mac- Mike D'Antoni, that was, that was also, like, the, like, it definitely feels like they'll try to pick someone external just based on their history. Like, Luke Walton was the one... That, okay, he had the Laker connection. He was just with the Warriors. Uh, they won a championship. Like that was the one, the only one that was like a Laker legacy hire. Um, but there's not, there's not. But for the most part, they've gone for. Uh, oh, and Byron Scott too, actually. But for the most part, they've actually gone external. So I really don't know who what to expect. But I'm sure it'll be someone with some sort of experience. Yeah, and, and we both agree that like what would probably be the best for them would be a new GM who hires whoever they think the right coach is instead of whoever the most famous coach is. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, and it's kind of a shame too because like Deanie Bus fired her own brother. I don't know why that that like that was seemingly doable, but getting rid of Kurt Rambis and Rob Polinka was not. And like I don't know who's really to blame here. I would just say like whatever the circumstance is, whatever the situation is, whoever is pulling these strings is doing a bad job. Mm-hmm. Should probably be replaced. And you know like Bob Myers, UCLA grad, you know from I, I don't know if he's from LA, but he certainly spent a lot of time in LA. I mean there were the rumors in 2018, 2019. That, like, maybe, you know, Kirk Lakeup, son of Joe Lakeup, is the Warrior. Like, he's next in line for the Warriors job. Maybe Bob Myers would think about the Lakers. I don't know. But, like, I would be making that call. I would be calling any accomplished GM that would be interested. I I, I don't think that what they have now is working, and I think they should bring in somebody new. But I don't think it's going to happen. Agreed. Not much happened. I mean, I would just say, like, you, you talk about the Lakers going external with coaching candidates. They do that. But from the front office, the Bus family has never hired somebody outside of the Lakers family, right? Like, look at who's run the team. Jerry West, you know, Laker legend, nothing, greatest jam of all time. No negative things to say. Mitch Kupchak played for the Lakers, you know, worked under Jerry West. Jim Bus, literal son of the owner. Uh, Magic Johnson, team legend. Rob Plinka, agent to a team legend. That's what they've done, right? The Lakers have always said that they operate like a family business. They like to stay in-house with their, like, top, top decision makers. And what's become painfully clear this season is the Lakers, their process, whatever it is, is not working. And they need somebody from the outside to help them run more like a normal franchise, right? And that's not to say that, like, you know, want a new GM would fix everything. But I, I do think that there are some basic oversights in the way that this team is run that would be fixed by bringing in some outside voice who can say like, Hey, no, this is not how NBA teams operate in 2022. So I, I think that would be helpful. I think it would fix things, but I think realistically that's not going to be the case. And I think a good place to close here is what do we think is going to happen with Russell Westbrook? Like, how does this end? Because he's probably going to be on the team past the deadline. 
what happens in the off season? And I know you have a theory that's going to make my skin crawl. Right. Okay. So I've been looking at the Lakers 2023 off season as their next potential year to have cap space. Uh, so, and that means LeBron and Westbrook would come off the books. All they would have really is Anthony Davis and Taylor Horton Tucker on the books, just based on who they have right now. They could have like close to 70 million in cap space, something like that, or maybe 60 million. So, you know, I don't, now I don't think, I haven't really looked at 2023 free agents, but just based on how things are trending, doesn't seem like anyone big is going to become available. But here's the deal. Like that's assuming LeBron uh, is either going to retire or leave. Um, let's so now let's start with Westbrook. So if I, I'm, I'm pretty sure like, I, I think he'll be on the, on the team past the deadline. Like personally, I, think I would do the swap with John Wall just because I don't think Wall and LeBron is going to work. It hasn't worked. Just two very incompatible players, in my opinion. And like, like is, is Wall better than Westbrook? No, but I think he's, I think he might be a better fit. And that alone, just the main reason I would do that, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Lakers want like the, one, they don't want to take the L on, on the Westbrook trade. They really want to, uh, they, they don't. I don't think they want to like admit that they messed up on that. Because they two, know that if they do, they'll get fired, right? Like that's why Frank Vogel didn't get fired as well. It's because if you fire Frank Vogel, you're basically saying like if this goes wrong, it wasn't just the coach, it was us. So there's that. The you know the whole admission that they messed up, that they they made a bad decision. But number two, I still think I feel like whether. Like organizationally, the front office, the coaching staff, the team, I still think like they kind of believe that it can work. Like I, I just they're still they're still trucking it out, trying to make it work. I still think they believe it can work. So with that said, if he's gonna be on the team past the, the trade line, okay. So um, I think what's gonna happen, what, what might happen is, and it just depends what LeBron wants to do there's a possibility that Westbrook is going to have a longer future with the Lakers. And I think it becomes a good possibility if LeBron extends that maybe Westbrook doesn't opt out and re-signs with the Lakers on like a Chris Paul type deal where instead of getting paid 47 million next year, maybe he makes like somewhere between 25 to 30 million over the next two to three years. That would uh, you know, he, so he earns a little bit more money, secures his future with the Lakers, but the Lakers save a lot of money up front, and now they have a little bit more flexibility. Maybe they could, you know, they'll they'll be able to do a little bit more stuff. So that's just something I would keep an eye on because I I don't know again we don't know what LeBron's plans are, but I I would imagine that I, I think he really likes being a Laker. I think he likes that. You know, he, there's no higher level. I don't think there's a higher level where he is as far as like, you know, he, he's on the on the biggest team in the NBA and he won a championship and just it's it's a great situation. I don't think there's anything really better um, as far as like power slash status goes. So if he's going to extend, I could see that I could see a Westbrook opt out and cheaper deal coming 
You know what the worst part of that is? It wouldn't actually help them on the court. It would just save a bunch of luxury tax dollars. Because it's not like you're yeah. going to get Westbrook out like at $27 million or whatever it is. And like you've saved $20 million. Congratulations. Well, you're not going to like get to a point where you can use the non-tax MLE. You're not going to hard cap yourself. So all you've really done is essentially save Genie Bus money. And I think based on the way that the franchise operated over the last couple of years, it wouldn't be crazy to me if the Lakers made a bad basketball decision for the sake of saving money. Like right. I, I don't think that that's crazy, and I, I, I don't think this is going to happen. I still think the likeliest outcome here is that Westbrook is traded in the offseason. But I, I'm really upset by how much I think this is possible. Yeah, and, it, and I think the Kobe extension from 2014, like there, it kinda, kinda, there's kind of shades of that where it's like, in the long run, this isn't what this probably isn't what's best for the team. But again, I still think I still feel like they really believe this, that they can make things work with Westbrook and um, you know just save a bit of money now. And you know I think there's also some value with the Lakers wanting to keep Westbrook long enough that they can justify retiring as a jersey, especially if they do win another ring. Just because they're not. Why no, I know, I know. I don't. I, I doubt. What has he done to earn that? No, it's just that like the Lakers like to retire Hall of Famers, so like, uh, you okay, know, they, they have them for like three years. Because he's done more as a Laker. No, I mean, but look, they're gonna retire. Like LeBron's gonna have been there for like five years. LeBron, yes, I'm talking about Westbrook. No, I, I, I get it. It's just that I, I, the Lakers like to have like Hall of Famers. Like if they, if they, he's, if he's been there for like at least three years. And you know maybe they have a little bit of success, then you could kind of justify just put, like it just it look it, it just looks good like having that the Westbrook zero on the Raptors. Okay, Again, if, not, they, if they huh? do that, then I want them to retire Dwight's number. I want them to retire let's see Carmelo's number because I assume Carmelo will be on the team next year. Like I want to go through all of the like Horace Grant was like not Hall of Famer, but, like, former star. Like, who are the big names who are the fucking 14th men on the 2001-2002 teams? Like, we got to go through a whole lot of teams and retire a whole lot of numbers because the Lakers have a lot of those mm-hmm. guys. No, I think it's different. retired, you earn it. No, no, so I, he has a chance to to get there, to get a little closer if he's going to be there for another two, three years because, again, the, I, he's a Hall of Famer. They only retire Hall of Famers. Um I'm just saying, like, like, and he's, you know, going to be a starter there. I don't, I think it's like unlikely, but like, if he's going to be there long enough, I wouldn't be surprised if, if win something, win happens. a playoff series. It would be a nice story. Win a playoff series, which I don't think they're going to do this year. That seems like a place to close this horribly depressing podcast. Yossi, plug your stuff. Uh, on Twitter at Yossi Goslin, Y O S S I G O Z L A N, and. All my work is on hoopshype.com on the Hoopshype podcast every Wednesday. And I have a big trade guide that I released last week. Lots of good stuff on each team in there. Check it out. I shouldn't sound so depressed when I tell you to plug things because your stuff is actually good, unlike the Lakers. Like, everybody go read that trade guide. Go follow Yossi on Twitter. Go read him on Hoopshype. Go read everybody on Hoopshype because you guys have a great staff. But that'll do it for us here today. I hope that there's not going to be any more emergency podcasts this season. But, like, every time I think the Lakers have hit a new bottom, like, something new happens. So that'll do it for us here today. Go like. Go subscribe. Go find something better to do with your time than to be invested in. I don't, I don't think they're going to be more than investment. So until next time, my friends, take care.